0: Receiver Adams
1: slicing in for the touchdown. Pulse of the Pack
2: Podcast. in Big lady And headed to the end zone is Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. Give that man the ball. Pulse of the
1: Pack Podcast.
2: Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay or just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com.
0: Spring has sprung. It is 65 degrees here in Rockford, Illinois, and I am happy as Greg Gard, who just won the Big Ten title with eight scholarship players, which is like half of as many scholarships as the Duke Blue Devils who also probably pay their players and such, which Wisconsin, I assume, doesn't, at least not to the same degree. Uh, but anyways, that's beside the point here. Uh, what is magnificent as Greg Gard's balding head is Jason Perone's gray beard. And Jason is here, and I think that was a half-hearted attempt at giving me the finger. So, Jason, thank you for not doing that. There are children watching this show, for God's sake. How are we doing today?
2: Good. We're about 10 degrees warmer than you are. I just want to throw that in your face as nice is by you and same to you, Paul. <laughs> and uh, I also just want to remind everybody that um, sneaky fact, we're approaching Jacob's 30th birthday, which actually is not till next year, but we're, we're almost in the last 12 months of his twenties. So for all the old man jokes, I Jake, the seat, I have got the nicest little place carved out for you on the old fogies couch um it's gonna it's gonna look great you're gonna look great in it as well
0: yeah we've got 18 full months before that happens (laughs) Two almost a season and maybe a game or two of packers football before that (laughs) happens too so we got a long way to go join with me also is paul brettel repping those milwaukee brewers that made a big move this weekend signing christian yelich and paul just kind of walk me through what's that like seeing uh finally you know typically i remember the last quote-unquote star that was close to getting a contract for Milwaukee would have been like Jonathan Lucroy, and they traded him, and uh, that's that's kind of typical. You know, guys like uh, Ryan Braun that sign extensions there are, are relatively rare for, well, that's a separate conversation I don't want to have. But anyways, um, what's that like? What's that like knowing that Yelich is around, and what was this press conference like? Because I got a little uh, goose bumpy listening to him talk about some of that stuff.
1: Yeah, this the whole thing is fantastic. And I appreciate you stopping on Ryan Braun. This is a no Ryan Braun slander zone. Uh, but Christian Yelich, in Milwaukee, it's huge for the Brewers. You know, just as a small market team, we don't typically see that in, in MLB. And for him to decide, you know, he's uh, two years from now, he had a club option, three years, he'd a free agent if it was picked up. Um, so for him, who could have likely earned you know if he continues on kind of the same path that he's been on likely earned way more than what he's going to make here in milwaukee uh knowing that he's likely going to spend the rest of his career here um it's just fantastic for the organization and the state and i couldn't be more happy now in a few months it's Giannis's turn
0: that's right and here you go guys for everybody that's listening everybody that follows me on twitter write this down in an ink sharpie pen Giannis Antetokounmpo. not this offseason but next offseason will absolutely 100% re-sign with the Milwaukee Bucks. He's not going anywhere. Trust me when I say that. Not a Bucks fan, so I guess I have some vested interest if he decides he wants to come to Dallas. But I doubt that that is the case, even though that would be freaking awesome to see him paired with Luka and KP. Uh, Milwaukee is Giannis's home, and it's going to be that way for quite some time. Speaking of homes, Jimmy Graham, that is the news, is likely to be looking for a new one. There is no official news as of yet. That Graham will be on the market but the Packers are expected to move on from him that's been tweeted a couple different times Rob Domofsky said it but they've also said that you know that's not official as of yet guys I mean real quick this is not remotely surprising I guess the first thing that I want to see is you know Paul when I when I ask you about Jimmy Graham what you know what comes to mind from his two years in Green Bay
1: um you know unfortunately it's You know disappointing you know on an average year basis he was the highest paid tight end over that span and when we got him we knew that he wasn't going to be the same you know physical athletic Jimmy Graham from his New Orleans days but you know obviously I still had the hope that he was going to be more of a factor in the red zone especially but we even saw little things like drops that just kept rearing their ugly head and you know it's a shame it didn't work out you know just unfortunate but overall i think
2: the first word that me that
1: comes to mind is just kind of disappointing
0: jason what about you
2: he had a lot of opportunities they just couldn't turn it turn into anything so yeah i mean it was it didn't end up being worth the money but i don't blame the packers for wanting to find a, a better solution than the last attempt that they made to bring in a veteran tight end so yeah i mean it was a you're not going to make every shot and they're not all going to be home runs so now you know fortunately because it wasn't we have a show to do, and we have something to talk about.
0: Yeah, Jimmy Graham is kind of the cautionary tale of free. Guys like Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and the guys that Green Bay went out and got last offseason, those are rare examples like that where you sign a free agent and it just works out so well like that. Uh, I don't blame Jimmy for the contract he got. Uh, that's obviously not his fault. There were multiple teams. Green Bay wasn't the only one. It's not like Green Bay came in and said, we're the only ones that will pay you this much. New Orleans was in on him as well. Seattle made a bid to re-sign him, although maybe not as high of a contract. But New Orleans was certainly in the bidding like that to bring him back. So it's unfortunate. You know, Graham never really made his mark here in Green Bay. If you really think about it, his best game as a Packer was probably the playoff win over Seattle, where he had the game clinching catch and two other big catches. But other than that, there just wasn't a whole lot of of good. Well, I shouldn't say a whole lot of good, but he did. He had some nice moments, but he never really put his stamp on this team as someone to to rely on, and that's what Green Bay is looking for. That's what they need. So Jimmy Graham will be hitting the open market, and I wish him well wherever he goes. Personally, I don't. I'm mm-hmm. not one of those weirdos that holds grudges against somebody for not living up to their contract. That happens all the time, and there can be a lot of reasons for that. Jimmy just frankly is past his prime at this point, so he will be moving on. Someone who won't be moving on is Austin Eckler of the Los Angeles Chargers. He got a new four-year contract with about thirteen million dollars guaranteed and worth just a little bit over six million dollars annually uh, on for the Sandy. Or the, excuse me, I always do that. The Los Angeles Chargers, and that's not really news related to the Packers, unless you look a little bit deeper and think about a conversation we had not that long ago, where we were talking about Aaron Jones. And there's obviously, as mentioned previously, the mutual interest in signing a contract extension to keep him in green bay those numbers are ones to keep an eye on there's a couple running backs hitting free agency this year uh, derrick henry of course being the big one melvin gordon being the other one of just names to keep an eye on that could be um, in that in that mold of the contract that aaron jones could be looking to receive next offseason so Paul, I ask you this now: If Green Bay is able to get away with a contract similar to that one, are you comfortable with that? And is you know where do we get to the line in the sand portion for Aaron Jones?
1: Yeah, I would definitely be comfortable with that. I think Eckler's four years, twenty-four million, so breaks down to about six million per year, or a little little over that with some extra dollars figured in. Um, I mean. Aaron Jones was a lifeblood of this offense last season that when they de- made the decision to run it through him, it looked completely different and obviously in a good way and looking ahead to the upcoming off season, or this off season, you know, we assume that they're going to add receivers to the mix, which obviously hopes helps improve the passing game, but it's tough to imagine what this offense would look like without him at this point. And there would have to be a, a very drastic change in 2020, um for me to feel comfortable with him walking so if they can get him in the six seven million dollar range i say go for it to me that's a no-brainer um i would even go as high as probably eight million a year just because of how big of a factor that he is to this offense and he's not just a runner he's shown that he can be a pass catcher as well he was rogers number one target in the passing game during that stretch when Devonte adams was out um, but I guess the one question I have in all of this is if you're from Aaron Jones' perspective and say it is 8 million per year is what it would average out to, you know, you're one year away from hitting the open market. Um, Zeke Elliott hit $15 million last year. We think Derrick Henry is going to eclipse that amount. I'm not saying Jones is going to be in that stratosphere, but if he can put together a similar season in 2020 – you know, all of a sudden, $8 million on a contract extension versus waiting a year. And obviously, there's risk involved, maybe as a down season, gets hurt again, whatever it may be. But now, all of a sudden, he might be in the, who knows, $10, $12, 13000000 million range, I think, is reasonable. So from his perspective, I think that's something that you have to weigh. But to go back to your question, if the Packers can get him at $6, 7000000 a year for another four years, I, I think you could do that.
0: So, Jason, let me put you in Aaron Jones' shoes. If you are Aaron Jones and the Packers come to you with an offer, let's just say four years, $30 million, and $18 million guaranteed, just for number's sake, that's relatively similar to the contract that you just heard for Austin Eckler. Is that something that you take now, or are you, as the saying goes, betting on yourself, seeing what Derrick Henry does to the market, seeing what Melvin Gordon does to the market, and going from there?
2: I was going to say the guaranteed money is important, but I think Jones is young enough and he probably got a huge boost of confidence from the way he played this past season, that he would like to give himself a better opportunity, or at least an opportunity to know that that's the best deal that he's going to have. Now, the Packers obviously are probably going to put some sort of a caveat or expiration on their offer. So he can't just sit there throughout the entire free agency period and ponder it and leave them hanging because they've got to figure out what they need to do in the in the draft and in free agency matt lafleur already said it would be nice that they're already looking to add another running back to the stable it clearly dexter williams is not their top option as a third back going into this next season so the packers are already looking to make a move but they are if they need to replace an aaron jones that's a big thing that they're gonna have to do so i don't know if i'm green bay i you don't want to top out the market, but I think you have to put together an offer. That's got good guaranteed money. And maybe instead of backloading it, like I think they have preferred to do every in recent years, maybe they front load it for Jones. I mean, you don't pay a player for past performance and, and, you know, there's no thank you money in the league, but he was a big part of the offense. I like the fact that they're talking and I do want air Jones back. I don't, I'm not one of those. Absolutely not. Don't pay a running back under any circumstance. Uh, but they're they're going to have to – they're going to probably have to change the, the structure of their contract a little bit if he's going to take a slightly below market value deal from them to stick around and stay there and not have to uproot his family and all that other stuff.
0: Yeah, I think the market is what will be interesting because we mentioned Derrick Henry, and I don't think that's something that Jones can ask for, quite frankly, because Derrick Henry is coming off a year where he led the league in rushing and was the best offensive player on a team that – he basically carried them through two playoff games. I mean, his timing was absolutely phenomenal for those performances. Uh, I think Melvin Gordon is more where you're looking because Gordon kind of a uh, an interesting case, I guess, just because he came to the year as a holdout, didn't play for eight games and then showed up and then didn't have as good of a year as he'd hoped. But uh, that might be a number that's closer to it. But if I'm Jones, I got a hard time. I mean, unless he just goes bonkers next season and touchdowns aren't a great metric because i mean i know that's great obviously the goal of the running back is to put the ball in the end zone eventually but the the packers have more fish to fry so to speak so i'd be curious to see how he looks that i can tell you this between jones and williams the packers will be looking to replace one of them in this year's draft and probably next year's draft too because matt lafleur like jason mentioned has said the packers need a third running back and I agree with him. Um, I think that there's there's room for other guys. Irvin is more of a specialist. Dexter Williams, I think they've told you everything that the coaching staff thinks about him throughout this course, so adding some competition to him may not be a bad thing, but I'll be curious to see how that goes. This is a conversation we've had several different times. Uh, I'm not a don't pay running backs ever, but I'm a pay running backs very, very rarely, and it's not a contract that I am looking to – I'm not – if he asks for a Zeke contract or somebody like that, then see you later. Uh, I appreciate your your four years in Green Bay and wish you luck somewhere else. But the state – or this episode is about the state of the tight end position and the tight end position in this upcoming NFL draft. We kind of address some of the tight end position with the departure or expected departure of Jimmy Graham. Mercedes Lewis is a free agent. Jay Sternberger is a third-round pick from a year ago, and Robert Tanyan is a preseason darling uh, with not a whole lot to show on the field just yet, but that's something that he's an exclusive rights-free agent. They'll probably bring him back. So let's, for the sake of the argument here, we're going to assume that the tight ends on the roster as of right now are Jay Sternberger and Robert Tanyan. My first question is very simple. Does Mercedes Lewis come back? And, Jason, we've talked about this a little bit, too. But I'm asking you now formally, is Mercedes Lewis part of this plan in 2020?
2: I think he will be. He was a good, for what he was asked to do, he was a good blocker, good veteran presence. There's a lot of value to a guy like that for a contract that's not going to be huge, break the bank, and if he's going to come back and play another season, I would have to think Green Bay's got a a huge leg up over any other team that would want to bring him in just simply because he's been there for two years already. And if he's going to play a third year and it's going to be special, better to be in a situation you're familiar with and the, that you can do more in. So I, I think, I think he'd be back and maybe not as fast, as quickly as many of us think, or he might be more of a summer roster edition um, or I shouldn't say summer, but you know, before mini camps and, and all that kind of stuff, not the first day of free agency, but yeah, I think he's back.
0: Yeah. I think that's one of those. He'll be a pre-draft or a post-draft signing. See if they can find a way to get younger, find a way to get more athletic and if they don't can't or, whatever the case is then then they bring back Mercedes in like june or may or something just so he's still there for your off-season program so to speak but not definitely not a priority free agent to me uh i know that people have talked about his leadership and his presence in the locker room and that's all great uh but that's worth like two million bucks so if he wants to play for two million bucks Come on in. That's great. If he wants anything more than that, then God bless you, Mercedes. I appreciate it. See you later. Paul. Is
2: there a uh, is there a veteran minimum? Uh, I was going to ask about that, too. So if they sign him, is there any any consideration there that they'd have to give?
0: Uh, as far as the vet's minimum, yeah, there is. I'm not 100% sure what it is. I know it's under a million bucks. Okay. Uh, I think it's 750000 but I could be wrong on that. Uh, but it's not a big contract. And th- he'll get more than that uh, just because I, I doubt that he'll get a pay cut after – after last season they'll give him some of that you said thank you money doesn't exist but there is a little bit at least there's no big thank you monies though i do agree with that um paul is lewis back on this team and you know when do you anticipate a move like that taking place
1: um i definitely think that there's a clear path for him to be back Um, jason hit on a lot of points his leadership he's a Proven, you know, he's past his prime, but he's a proven and willing blocker, which we know is important to Matt Lafleur in playing tight end. He knows the offense, and I think there definitely is a lot of value in bringing a veteran in. Now, I mentioned earlier before we started recording, Sternberg is in year two, Tanyan's in year three, I believe, but that's a very young year three. And tight end's one of the more difficult positions to transition to from college to the NFL. So I think there's a lot of value in having a veteran. And I do think there's a clear path, but as you said, Jason, I think they're going to explore other opportunities, Um, you know, in free agency, someone like a Darren Fells, perhaps he's 34 years old. Spot track has him getting a one year, $4 million deal. Uh, He was in the passing game last year. He was a good red zone target for the uh, Deshaun Watson and the Texans had seven touchdowns. Um, So I could see them maybe going somewhere along that route where um, a little bit more of a dynamic presence in the passing game. But if it doesn't work out with Fels or whoever else is on their radar, that was just one example, um, then, yes, I definitely think there's a clear path to Lewis. He's just probably not option one or maybe even two.
0: That would be interesting because I tend to think he's back even if they pursue, if they go big game hunting, if you will, at the tight end position. So that leads me into the next point. We talked about this a little bit last week. News has already surfaced that the Packers are interested in Austin Hooper. Hooper obviously has played. With Matt LaFleur before knows the offense knows the system that would be the big fish if you will Hunter Henry's not going to be available there are some other interesting names I mentioned Tyler Eifert uh, in pre-show but he's somebody who's just he's never been healthy and with the way that the Packers have tended to treat that especially under Gutekunst it just doesn't seem like something that is likely at this point that they pursue somebody with an injury history like Eifert's and that's probably for the best so I say all that to say, guys, the Packers have been really, when they've signed free agents even under Ted Thompson in recent memory, it was tight ends. Jared Cook hurt for most of the season, had a good last six, seven, eight games if you include the postseason. Uh, Then, of course, they signed number 80, who I won't name after that. They cut him after he quit on the team. And then after he quits on the team, they cut him and signed Jimmy Graham. And Jimmy Graham obviously is going to be let go. He didn't work out either. So the question I have is, Jason, does any of that stuff worry you when it comes to green Bay fishing for yet another free agent tight end?
2: No, those guys are in different points in their career. If it's a Hooper type guy, that's a different, different story. You're trying to actually, you're not trying to, you know, plug a hole for you're trying to actually create a solution Mm-hmm. so I think that would be a better way to to approach it I'm I'm much better for it and I think tight ends one of those positions because of the multiple things that they're asked to do and that they have to do and from what we've seen young players transitioning from college into the NFL be able to do early in their career you got to keep swinging at it I mean you know learn from your mistakes but you got to keep swinging at it because eventually eventually they'll get it right you know another name I heard was and it's going to be really difficult because, you know, you'd have to, is OJ Howard with, is with Tampa and is he going to be on the move because he hasn't been utilized much in the offense there? I mean, what is it going to take to get a player of that caliber? Those types of guys I think is who you would go after. In, at this point, you're not, you know, don't look to go after the guy that's in the waning years of his career. You know, they, they've got to get, they've got to get more dynamic at the position. So I think they've got the right approach if they're looking at younger guys who are free agents.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree. I think that, you know the guys that i mentioned were either 30 or above or in Jared's cook cook's case he was younger uh and the packers i mean there's no way around it they made a mistake uh by letting cook walk or allowing that conversation to go the way that it did uh the understanding that i've gathered is basically that uh cook had a contract offer on the table he wanted a couple million extra dollars and uh, Packers basically said, okay, we're going to go with somebody else. And then Packers went from there to sign Marta, uh, his, that guy and Lance Kendricks. Um, and then that didn't work out. But with Hooper, this guy's not a dynamic game breaker. He is a consistent – he's about as consistent as they come, I think, honestly. He's a pretty good blocker. Uh, he can make some plays with the ball in his hands. But nobody's going to mistake this guy for Rob Gronkowski in his prime, and that's okay. The Packers don't need somebody like that, but Paul, the idea, and again, I'm I'm just discussing big game hunting. I know Jason mentioned OJ Howard. Um, I would plug him under unlikely just because like Jason mentioned, the price tag is unsure. And at this point, are we sure OJ Howard's good? Like I know that his draft pedigree was great. And I know a lot of people on the internet thought he was a generational tight end, but this is two coaching staffs now that haven't really found a way to use him, and maybe they're not finding a way to use him because he's not very good. That's certainly a possibility. Now, I'm not saying that it's possible that teams are or the, the teams are overlooking him. That's certainly a possibility as well. I don't pretend to know all the answers. But let's just talk about the idea of pairing Hooper and Sternberger. And we talked about this a little bit last week, but just what would that bring to Matt LaFleur's offense and Aaron Rodgers? See, that I think. Happen. Oh, yeah, I did. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Paul. I didn't mean to cut you off there.
1: Okay. Uh, I think Hooper and Sternberger would be a, a nice combo together. You know, obviously Hooper's going to dominate the snaps, but I don't see that being an issue. I know everyone's really excited about Sternberger. Gudekins had good things to say about him. Mercedes Lewis had good things to say about him. And I'm excited about him as well. But as I referenced earlier, tight end's a tough position to transition to. And if you can have a proven. Um, player like Hooper step in uh, and be kind of the go-to guy while Sternberger's is still developing. I don't see that being a problem at all. And like you mentioned, Jacobs, uh, Hooper, while he's not going to you know have the blazing speed or pick up the yards after the catch, he's been super reliable over his career. He's got 78% of the passes thrown his way. Uh, the last three years, he's seen his uh, total receptions and yards increase. Uh, he's got 1,300 yards the last two years. Uh, but one thing is, when you're getting Hooper, you know that you're getting more of a, a pass catching tight end. Let's see here, last year he only had 35 pass blocking attempts, um, but he has that versatility. Sternberger, uh, he's shown that he can uh, potentially become a big factor in the passing game as well. But he's also shown that he's a willing blocker. So Hooper's going to take, you know, a majority or not a majority, but he's going to be tight end one next year. And I don't see that being a bad thing with Sternberger as he continues to develop. And I mean, what a, what a great player to be able to learn from, especially when it comes to the passing game.
0: Yeah. That's somebody that you talk about, you know, somebody was like, Oh, you you got people saying, bring back Jimmy Graham and Mercedes list. They helped with um, Jay Sternberger and learning how to be a professional. Well, it'd be nice to pay for somebody that can not only do that, but maybe be a contributor too. So I'll be interested to see how that goes. Ultimately. I think that, There are some other teams that are a little more desperate, like the Chicago Bears, uh, for a tight end that I think will just eventually outbid Green Bay, but I'll be interested to see how that goes. Uh, The only other name that I think they could realistically pursue on the free agent market is uh, Eric Ebron, and Matt Schneiderman of The Athletic has said that that's his bold prediction, that Green Bay signs Eric Ebron, and I, whatever, (laughs) I just... I don't think he's all that good. Uh, he had one good season where he was—he had 100-plus targets. He had 60 something like catches. He had 13 touchdowns, which was great. But other than that, now two teams have given up on him uh, in the span of three years. So I don't see that as somebody that fits here in Green Bay. So I'll be curious to see how that works and how that continues to work. But ultimately, this is about the draft, and we're going to move towards that portion Uh, Of the show where we talk about the draft class, which is the tight ends, which is done by some devilishly handsome man named Jacob Westendorf (laughs) in the T-Said TV Draft Guide. Uh, So be sure to check that out. It is six ninety nine for a pre order. Links are out now, so be sure to find that, and we'll be able to get you that guide. It's newsstand worthy. But guys, the first question I have, uh, and it's the same formats here, is obviously what round, if any, are you looking for a tight end? In mine, the third round at the earliest. Because ultimately, I think this tight end class stinks. Uh, There's some guys that can play a little bit. I like Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue. I like Cole Komet uh, out of Notre Dame. And there's some other guys. The Bryant brothers, both of them, I think, can do some nice things. But, you know, there is – my tight end one this year, for example, and I'll suppose a spoiler alert, is Bryson Hopkins of Purdue. And he would have been tight end four in last – actually, excuse me, tight end five In last year's draft, now obviously last year's draft, you had Hawkinson, you had Fant, you had Irv Smith, and you had Jay Sternberger. I had Sternberger as three, Smith as four, Uh, but that's where tight end one would come in. So this class is definitely not like last year's where there were some immediate contributors. Uh, Guys like Noah Fant had a good year, Hawkinson had a couple good games before he got injured. Uh, Sternberger we've talked about as somebody that could break out, and Irv Smith did some nice things for the Vikings as well. It just takes a while at that position but yeah like i mentioned third round at the earliest and even then i i'm not so sure that i would spend a top 100 pick on on somebody like that paul is there a round that you're looking for a tight end in this year's draft class
1: no not in particular i mean if the board ends up falling a certain way you know once you get to the maybe fifth round or so um you know then i would be more open to it but i don't think that they have to take a tight end this year you know we want them, or they have to take, you know, a tackle, a wide receiver, a linebacker at some point, you know, those might fall under the have to or should. I don't necessarily see tight end being there. So for me, it'd probably be, you know, fifth round at the earliest. Um, I mean, they have Dre Sternberger on the roster, Uh, Robert Tanyan, we're going to assume is on there as well. So those are two young guys. And like I said earlier, I just think there's a tremendous value in adding a veteran or two to the mix, rather than another young uh, tight end who, as we've mentioned already, it's a tough position to transition to. Jacob, you hit the nail on the head. There was all that buzz last year around TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant, and you know, tight ends in those rookie years, they just don't go out and put up even five, 600 yards receiving typically. So there's just a transition period, I think with what they have going with young guys and um, Sternberger and Tanyan is a good start, but I would prefer to see a veteran and then at least the first four or five draft picks go towards other positions.
0: Yeah, the Hawkinson thing made me chuckle because after he had his first game, and it was a great, he was huge in his first game. And some of the people on the internet, Hawkinson was like a darling of draft Twitter. Like, people wanted to make him a top 10 pick, which he ultimately was, oddly enough, by the Detroit Lions. But people taking victory laps as if this guy is slated to be in the Hall of Fame by tomorrow, and he ended up having, he played 10 games, if I recall correctly, and that was really it for his big-time production in Green Bay. So I'll be curious to see how he does in year two, but the the fetishizing last year of his run blocking, I thought was a little ridiculous, but there's nobody like that in this year's draft. And uh, that's why uh, the, the situation is the way that it is. And I'm appreciative that Green Bay got their tight end last year because this year, if they needed one, I think they're in a little bit of trouble. Jason, is there a round that specifically you're saying that, okay, they could probably take one here?
2: Because I can't skip a chance to take a shot at a certain NFL franchise I just want to remind everybody that TJ Hawkinson's first NFL game in a regular season was against the Arizona Cardinals so he very easily could have caught 20 passes for 250 yards and five touchdowns and nobody would have been surprised so in any event uh except for Cardinals fans who clearly would act surprised because because that's how they are all right Uh, for me, it's later. So later rounds, that's fine. I think we've all, we've kind of talked about the reasons why go after a veteran this year is a a good, not only is it better to bring one in because the, the productivity and Paul, you mentioned, and and Jake, you mentioned too, like the the numbers just aren't great coming right out. And there isn't anybody really that's worthwhile this year. So the Packers must've seen this coming. I mean, it's not like, you know, they don't look ahead a draft or two and know what they want to do a couple of years from now. They, they had to have seen this was coming, and they spent the third round around Sternberger. I don't expect them to do it this year. Now, if they go fourth round, fifth round, to me, anything beyond three is a, is a dart throw anyway. So that's fine. I just, you know, I selfishly want to see them get some impact players on offense and, and add uh, that for me would be receivers. Uh, I don't we wouldn't put a tight end and there is no tight end. That's going to be a, a great wide out in this draft that could take the place of a receiver. I've seen some tight ends mocked to green Bay early. I don't understand that. So Mid to late rounds for me, bring somebody in if you want to give them a shot. You've got Tanya and there's a little bit of a security blanket there. So it's not like the cupboard is completely bare, but they've tipped their hand. It's, it's obvious the Packers are going to be in the market for a tight end, so hopefully they can get one at a good value.
0: Yeah, and hopefully that is a veteran instead of a young guy because, like we mentioned, not a whole lot great in this class. But who are some popular guys in that round? I, I mentioned some of mine earlier, so I don't need to talk too much. Jason, are there any guys that stand out?
2: No, I mean, for me, beyond Komet, there wasn't anybody really that, and he's probably going to go before the middle round. So I just, the Packers are going to be they're They're going to be taking a guy that we're not talking about or haven't heard of right now at this point, uh, because it's, like I said, I hope it's later in the draft and just depends on how far you want to go into your analysis. Now, obviously I will, because I'm going to be buying the Cheesehead TV draft guide to read all of your great work and the great work that everybody else does. So I just want to give a quick plug for the Cheesa TV draft guide because I contributed to it one year and it's been an annual thing every year and it truly is Packer centric. So if you're looking for the, you know, the Holy grail of how do I get rid of all the other crap and focus on my team? This is it. So definitely get up, get on and pre-order it. Cause Jake, I don't know what this price bumps up to after the pre-order.
0: Just under 10 bucks. I think I'd have to check that to be sure. Paul, is there anybody that you have that you're looking at in some of those rounds that you mentioned earlier?
1: Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> to put it to put it honestly, uh, similar to what Jason said, you know, one guy that I do kind of like is Hunter Bryant. He had, I think, almost 900 receiving yards last year, 16 yards per catch, showing that he can make an impact in the passing game. But he's going to be off the board before I'm even looking, if I'm the Packers, if I'm, you know, Actively looking, or if a tight end falls to the fifth round or whatever it may be. Um, so at that point, no, I don't have any dark horses off the top of my head. Um, but like you said, the Bryants, they can be game changer or have the potential to be good uh, weapons in the passing game, but they're all going to be off the board before I'm looking.
0: Yeah, I think there's some interesting pieces that you could be had later. Josiah DeGuara out of Cincinnati is one uh, if you want to start looking a little bit later colby parkinson is another one there's a few guys but yeah like i mentioned a lot of these guys that that green bay is going to be targeting you mentioned are pretty much you know dart throw project types uh, i don't think that they'll be in the market i know matt miller has green bay slated to pick cole Komet and is at 30 in his mock draft and i, I can't picture that um i know green Bay's in the market for a tight end they've been rumored to be attached to the free agents the position is important in matt lafour's offense i understand that but it's just not something that I can picture Green Bay doing early in a draft class where the early tight ends just frankly I don't think are very good uh, especially compared to to last year where you had two top 20 picks. Irv Smith was a top 50 pick and then after that Jay Sternberger went in the top I think he went 76. I could be wrong on that uh, but it was in the top 100. So you've got guys like that but you guys have mentioned a couple dudes, uh, Harrison Bryant uh, is one that I'm interested in, Hunter Bryant I'm also interested in. I think they can do some interesting things, but overall, like I said, kind of a underwhelming class. So on that note then guys, we've talked about it. What's the likelihood that they spend in the first 5 rounds one of their picks on a tight end? And I'm going to say 20% cuz I think that if they are going to spend on a free agent or a tight end, it'll be in free agency. I don't think they're going to love this draft class too much there. I think there's depth at receiver. I think there's depth at offensive tackle. And I think those are the positions that they're going to spend some time on. Maybe some defensive line help. uh, Maybe some linebacker help in that as well. And then some cornerbacks. And now there you have it. There's five positions that I just named. And Green Bay probably isn't going to wait until the sixth round to address offensive tackle, for example. So I'll be curious to see how that goes. But yeah, I'm at 20%. I don't think it's a very high chance. Uh, Jason, what do you think? Chances they spend to pick in the, that early part of the
2: game? Yeah, 20 at the most. 15 to 20%. I just, again, I'm, I'm selfishly projecting what I hope they do, and I'm hoping by the time they get to the fifth round, the sixth round maybe, but by the time they get to the fifth round, that they've stocked up on some more important things like the middle of their defense and wide receiver.
0: So there you have that. And Paul?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm in the same boat. Just to be different, I'll go 10%. Uh, Jacob, could be at the nail on the head when we look at needs that they have. Tight end's one of them, as we mentioned, but we, like we all said, we think that should, free agency should be the route for that. Then you have linebacker, receiver, tackle, running back, cornerback, interior defensive lineman. Um, you know, those are all positions that I hope to see get drafted before I would see a tight end, so I'll go
0: 10%. So not very high. You're not looking. This ain't the position for that kind of stuff, so that's going to do it for this edition of Pulse of the Pack. Be sure to check us out on our Twitter handle. It is at Packer Pulse. You can follow us on YouTube, Pulse of the Pack, with the beautiful logo made by Jeremy Vanderlinden of Cheesehead TV Live, friend of Jason Perrone, and I suppose I know him as well. He's all right. Um, but that's where we're at on that. You can follow Jason. He's at Jason Perone. You can follow Paul. He's at Paul underscore Brettel. And you can follow me. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. And next week we will have offensive linemen, the big uglies for you guys. But before that, I will be in Green Bay next week. So I'm going to say hello to the stadium, and maybe I'll get to say hello to Paul as well. If you're lucky. If I'm lucky, I'll be looking forward to that. So thank you guys for listening, of course, and watching. And as always, 100% of the time, go Pack Go. the pack podcast.